Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and want to give a shout out to all the listeners out there. Again, guys, you guys are spreading the word out there, and the word's starting to get out, and I appreciate you all for doing that. Lots of great things coming out there from the website, also on our YouTube channel, vaultclassicpod.com, and also on our host. The numbers have been amazing these past couple of weeks, guys. Thank you for continuing to support the show, for sharing it with your family and friends and fellow hip-hop fans and music fans alike. Guys, we really appreciate all the love that you've given us over this last year. We are about to hit a milestone as we head into 2023, and we got a great couple of weeks heading up to close out the year, so make sure y'all stay tuned into the vault to see what we got cooked up for y'all. And when I'm telling y'all that 2023 is going to hit, it's definitely going to hit, man, as we head into covering the years of 93, 98, and 2003. But we're not finished quite yet with this year. We're going to make sure we close it out on a big note. So make sure y'all are tuned in and continue to support the show. Once again, thank y'all for everything that you do. We do it here all for you. A reminder to visit vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there, see all the episodes, leave a review, also leave a voice note. You can get to the Buy Me a Coffee page to support us monetarily. Let us know you appreciate us. And of course, all the socials in the YouTube page can be found right there on vaultclassicpod.com. Make sure you're following on the socials. Of course, subscribe on YouTube and also subscribe to your podcast listening platform of your choice. As we always like to say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault. Hashtag nothing but the classics or MBTC. And we're going to go back 20 years ago to December 13th, 2002. In the sixth studio album by none other than Nas, Godson. Recorded between 2001 and 2002 with a runtime of 57 minutes and six seconds on Ill Will and Columbia Records. The producers on this, many. The Alchemist, Eminem, Ron Browse, a big contributor on this, Salam Remy the late great Chucky Thompson, Alicia Keys, as well as Agile, the singles from God's Son. The first, Made You Look, released September 10th, 2002. The second, I Can, released February 2003. And Get Down, released July 2003. God's Son coming on the heels of a couple of Nas albums that capped off a pretty productive 12-month period for Nas. You remember in December 2001, he released his fifth album, Stillmatic, which of course was commercially and critically acclaimed. Then in September of 2002, in this year, he released a compilation of tracks that were unreleased from the 90s and previous tracks that were believed to be a part of a few other recordings not related to albums, but mostly those who were, by most accounts, supposed to be a part of the famous I Am, the autobiography double disc that never got released due to bootlegging back in 1998 and 1999. And that was released to critical acclaim. Some consider it some of Nas's best work, even though it is a compilation of unreleased songs that it now hit the market. And then Godson comes out in December. Just to recap where we were at this time, Nas is fresh off of really this back and forth between him and Jay-Z in the latter part of 2001, where there was the stomatic freestyle, or H to the M-O, where he dissed Jay-Z. Then Jay came back and dissed Nas on TakeOver, which was on the blueprint. 
which Nas then responded with Ether. Well, at this point, when we're heading into God's Son, also released in the fall of 2002, was The Blueprint 2 with Jay-Z. Now, Super Ugly follows up Ether, which, of course, didn't make much of a dent as far as what had happened after Ether. But into Blueprint 2, Jay-Z dissed Nas again on the Blueprint 2 song. And he really hit back hard at Nas in reaction to Ether. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people who will say, instead of doing Super Ugly, he should have held that and then responded just summarily with that Blueprint 2 track. Then Nas had a release and something to answer that. And after that, there was no other <laughs> responses after that song was released on Godson, which was, of course, Last Real Nigga Alive, which we'll get to in just a second. Because there's a story behind this. And I think that there's a compelling argument to be made that the two songs that finished out this beef was The Blueprint 2 and then The Last Real Nigga Alive actually should be as highly regarded as Takeover and Ether were. And I think there's an argument to be made about that. A lot had happened to Nas after Stillmatic and heading into 2002. We all know now at this time that Nas's mother, Ann Jones, was sick. She was uh, sick with cancer and was in the last stages of her life as he was getting ready to release Stillmatic. And as he was getting ready to release and start working on God's Son, she had passed away in April of 2002. This album is largely looked as one of Nas's most personal albums, really where he's very candid about the struggles that he's going through in his life, about the struggles that his mother dealt with, about his grief and dealing with her death, which is something very hard for him to deal with, him and also his brother Jungle as well. A lot of folks will point to how Nas is very candid on this, that you feel as far as his emotions through the lyrics that he spits, the themes that are present on the album. It makes it a very personal and also candid album where Nas doesn't really necessarily get so candid on so many of his albums where he's really great on just sort of rapping and also telling stories, which is his hallmark. But this was definitely personal. I would even say that if you look at Nas's whole catalog, this and probably Life is Good are probably his most personal albums in that catalog. And I could definitely understand why. So after dropping Stillmatic, he linked up with these producers, with Godson, Salam Remy, and Alchemist, as well as Ron Browse, also being assisted by the likes of Chucky Thompson and also Alicia Keys. Now, there's a lot to be said about this album in regards to some of the production choices. And I think that when you talk to certain Nas fans about this album, they'll give you a bit of, I would say, a very mixed reaction overall. I think most people like this album. I think most like the songs on here. I think they like the singles. I think that they love the fact that Nas was so personal. But I do think if you talk to the ones that don't like this album as much, I would have to say their complaints are is that Nas probably tried to experiment a little bit too much in a couple of the tracks. And also the production was a little inconsistent as well. As far as where I fall, I don't think I fall to one side or the other. I think that I'm more so in the middle more than anything else. I do think that this is a dope album. And I think that there are a lot of highlights on here, but I do think there are some inconsistencies as well. Nonetheless, I believe what Nas was going for here, I would have to guess was probably on the side of, hey, I showed everybody that I'm back with Stillmatic. Now I'm going to go ahead and show you that I have a little bit of staying power and I'm going to try some new things while I'm at it as well. Let's go ahead and start with how I got into it. First thoughts and reflections. So this album comes out in 2002 in the fall and I'm getting ready to go back home from college and I've already listened to the Lost Tapes. I downloaded it, of course, via LimeWire or Kazaa, one of those file sharing clients. And I was blown away by hearing the Lost Tapes. Of course, having gotten a leak and listened to Blazer 50 and tracks like Papa Was a Player, 
I was really hyped to be able to hear that from Nas. But then we knew that he was coming out with another album because Made You Look dropped around the first month or so of that semester when I was in college at Morgan. And Made You Look was an absolutely incredible track. And that actually got played when we were at the clubs. And most people kind of scoff at that because it's like Nas songs don't really get played at the club like that. <laughs> Jay songs will definitely get played, but Nas songs really didn't get a lot of play. Made You Look got plays at party. So that really kind of got us hyped up for the album. When the album drops, I'm home for Christmas break and I'm hanging with my boys and my boy has the album as it comes out and we're listening to it. And of course the first track that comes on off the break is get down. And that James Brown sample with that guitar. And then that drum break is just like, yes, I love it. I love the way this album is starting out. There's no intro or anything else like that. He gets right into it. So we go through the album and I'm listening to it. This became during my Christmas break, an album that we blazed too frequently <laughs> riding around at Prince George's County. And it was an enjoyable listen. There were a lot of things that I listened to it. I kind of like, you know, started to think like a hey, Nas is definitely in his bag right here. Definitely very personal. You could tell that he was trying to go through some things mentally in regards to the death of his mother. You heard that in songs, of course, like Warrior Song and of course the song Dance, which is we'll get to that in just a second because I have a particular theory about that song and why I think most Nas fans are willing to excuse some of the things that they wouldn't excuse on other Nas albums. Because I think a lot of folks can relate to that song, obviously. We all have, especially in hip-hop, man, the MCs will tend to act like they're hard, but everybody has a soft spot for Mama. This was an album that, you know, we enjoyed listening to. But there were some times when I listened to it that I was listening to certain tracks and I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, I felt like Stillmatic, he had left it off in such a great place. Like, to be able to go through and have an album with banger after banger after banger after banger for Nas to show everybody that he was back. I kind of felt like this was a great opportunity for him to be able to release a follow-up similar to what Stillmatic was, like a banger after banger after banger. And you didn't quite get that. Not to say that it was a bad thing, but I do think there were some things in here that I kind of left after a while, like, hmm. I don't really know why he did that or why he did this. Like there were a few songs even back then. That I'm just kind of like, you know, just like the way how they took Braveheart Party off of Still Magic. They could have taken a couple of these joints off here and it would have been a better album. But nonetheless, I think I liked it um, when the single started to drop about I can. Obviously, I can grow a life onto its own. It's one of those songs now that 20 years afterwards, it's a song that Nas definitely has gotten his bag over sync licensing and people who have used it in commercials and in videos and in promotional pieces. So just part of his creativity, what Nas does, definitely Nas was a student of Slick Rick among many other rappers from the 80s who were the lyrical greats. And this is, I think, his tribute to sort of Slick Rick and what he did in Hey Young World. But overall, I liked it. Overall, I liked it, and I thought it was a decent enough follow-up to Stillmatic. It's kind of hard to follow up an album, the quality of Stillmatic, with the album that can sort of meet that same energy and also the vitriol that he had behind it in regards to his credits. But I think with this one, he was sort of at peace because it was the album that he wanted to make. Surprisingly enough, there are a lot of people out there that love this album. I mean, they absolutely love it. The critics, a lot of the critics felt very, very good about this album. We're talking about the likes of what they did on Metacritic, also on All Music, on Entertainment Weekly, the Los Angeles Times, Pitchfork gave this album an 8-6. Now, I don't want everybody to sit here and take what Pitchfork says as gospel, because I think we all have individually and also some collective groups within the fans of hip-hop whether it's on twitter facebook or out there in the internet community 
sort of have certain ways that we feel about Pitchfork as the way that they rate albums. But this one, for them to give it an 8.6, ah, uh, okay. You know, I mean, I will say this. The highs of these albums are absolutely great before I even get into highlights and lowlights. I just think that there are some things on here that kind of lead me to question in regards to what direction they were trying to go in and they could have left this off. But overall, it was dope and I really did like it. I think that when it comes to his personalization, as far as the, his feelings and emotions on this album after his mother passed away, it's probably some of the things that we can admire about Nas the most because when his mother was sick and when she was dying, he was in a really bad place. And as we get into one of the songs on here, it sort of tells you in regards to why he was in that space. And we had all thought that Nas had fell off. And then when Jay dissed him, we thought he was done. And then he comes back and drops ether and his domatic comes out. And then it's like, he's back. If anything else, Nas's pen game on here is still elite, without a doubt. He does some of his best songwriting on here and some of the bars on here in regards to the things he was going through, whether it was the beef with Jay or the battle for the King of New York or also his mother dying. You see some of his best bar work on here, along with it being very personal. Highlights and lowlights. So my highlights and to Godson, and just to, before I get into that, to talk about the production, Salam Remy does quite a bit of work on here. He produces... I want to say five songs on here. There's also production from Eminem, production by The Alchemist, who produced three songs on here as well, including the bonus track, which was Thug Mirror's Freestyle. There was also production by Chucky Thompson for The Hitman, May He Rest in Peace, on Dance, and Alicia Keys, who featured on Warrior Song. There's also a feature on here as well from the late great Tupac Shakur, which was a posthumous verse on Thug's Mansion. But I'm going to get into my highlights on this. Obviously, my highlights just starting off off the break would get down just that James Brown sample, that funky drummer drum break, which has been used so many times throughout hip hop, just hitting and kicking the get up and get down by the dramatics and Rock Creek Park by the Blackbirds. That's vocal sample with James Brown from the boss. I mean, everything about it, you just love it. You get into then after that, when that first run of tracks with the cross with Eminem, I'm not really a big fan of the beat, but the lyrics on there and of course the chorus I love. I love the hook on there. And I think the messaging and what Nas talks about that, one of those things we talk about the bar work and as far as the message he's giving on the songs, I definitely love the bar work and the message on the cross. Made You Look, incredible track. You want to talk about some of the best Nas tracks ever. Made You Look is on that list, not just because of the sound, but man, all three verses he definitely went on here. The song is catchy. The Bravehearts chant on it. The break beat on there from Apache. I mean, come on. <laughs> this is hip hop. Definitely to me, one of my favorite Salam Remy beats when it comes to work that he's done with Nas. Then we get into Last Real Nigga Alive. This, I think, is actually my favorite song on here. And I'll tell you the reason why Last Real Nigga Alive is my favorite song on the album. This is the follow up, kind of the follow up to the Blueprint 2 track that was on the Blueprint 2 album by Jay-Z and with Jay. I would even say came harder at Nas on that than he did probably on TakeOver because TakeOver was one verse. This was Jay giving basically all of his vitriol to Nas. And when he gave him his most famous lines, is it Uchiwali or is it one Mike? <laughs> is it black girl lost or shorty ask you for ice? I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, he definitely went at Nas on this one here. You definitely could see that the battle was starting to amp up. And it was like when you got into Last Real Nigga Alive, Nas didn't just come at Jay, just straight out. It was very, very different than Ether. What he did on Last Real Nigga Alive was paint the blueprint and give the story on how they got to the point where him and Jay were beefing. All the way back to the beginning, 
when he started out being in the same space in the time frame where Biggie was big, where Wu-Tang was big, where Raekwon and Only Built for Cuban Links was big, to Big and Raekwon kind of beefing with each other after a while, to also him and Biggie having to beef over the line and the message about there could only be one king and Biggie coming back on him, we're kicking the door, all that happening. Then all the stuff happened in his life with him and his baby mother and supposedly his baby mother with Jay and the shit that happened with them. Then with his mother getting sick, him taking time off to be able to sit to take care of her. And then Jay getting big in the aftermath of this. Then them end up beefing with each other. And he says he called it a sneak attack. And then he lays everything out almost perfectly. Like the way he's like, all right, y'all want the story? Here's how the shit really went down. There is a line in an article that I read about this album. And this is a review by Focus Hip Hop, you're going to find the article in the show notes as well, where you talk about Last Real Nigga Alive and exactly why it's so dope. And the reason why we are talking about this compared to Ether, why this one probably hit even harder than Ether did in regards to making it plain as far as why Nas thought he was the best. And let me go ahead and read it to you. Ether was incredible, but it sucks that this track gets overshadowed. I honestly wasn't expecting to hear another JC diss for whatever reason. I'm glad I did though, because this is dope. I honestly can't decide which one I like better. Ether felt more vicious since it was just an onslaught of aggressive insults. This track felt more like he was pointing out real reasons why he's better than Jay. It's like when you're super pissed and you can't speak with eloquently, you're still roasting the shit out of someone. That's what Ether was. This song is more like a relaxed a little bit. It took time to put together a calm, more substantial argument for why he's better than Jay. Ether was Nas calling Jay a piece of shit. Last real nigga alive is Nas explaining why Jay is a piece of shit. <laughs> that's, you know, I can't state it any better myself. And that's why I think I love last real nigga alive because it kind of like sets everything up. Like, all right, fuck the bullshit. Let's get to this shit. I'm going to lay everything out for y'all. By the end of this, it's going to be no other word said. And that ended it <laughs> after that. There was probably little subliminal things here and there, but there were no more diss songs released after Last Real Nigga Alive. That was the end of it. There was nothing else left to say. That's one of my favorites. And I know I spent a little bit of time on that, but I felt like I had to take the time to talk about the context of that song and why I love it so much. I can. I mean, a lot of folks, I know some people will say they don't like this, but, you know, hey, listen, this is a Nas song that whether Nas fans or non-Nas fans like it or don't like it is a song that has probably made him a lot of money. Because it is a, a very radio-friendly song. It is a song that you can actually play for kids. And it's a song that has been used in many commercials, probably some movies, probably some other sync licensing. So when you talk about this song, it's made Nas a lot of money. And it's actually a song that, you know, is a positive song. As I stated before, I think it's in the tradition of Hey Young World with Slick Rick, which Nas obviously was a studier of, just like he was a studier of a cool G rap and Rakim. So... Dope song, though. Definitely a dope song with the furry lease and then the drum beat from Impeach the President. Gotta love that. Book of Rhymes, which is produced by Alchemist. I like the beat, but then the concept of the song of an MC and having done this when I used to rap and write in a book of rhymes myself, like every MC has a book of rhymes. You go through and look at the things that you jotted, jotted down. And anybody who has rapped before in life that had that book of rhymes can relate to what Nas is doing going through this book of rhymes. Because it's like, yo, I can't believe I wrote this shit. Or damn, this shit was actually kind of dope. Let me go ahead and start this over. Let me see if I could save this. Nah, I ain't feeling that shit no more. I love the thought process of going through that. Conceptually, I want to say one of Nas's most clever songs as an MC. 
Now, Thug's Mansion is a song that is both a Nas song and also a Tupac song. I want to believe that there was a version of this song that Tupac released. It was released on Better Days, which came out also in 2002. And that featured a version with Tupac and a version also with Tupac and Nas and also Jay Phoenix on the hook. But then there is the version of Thug's Mansion that was non-acoustic. Then there was the acoustic one that featured a Nas version with two Nas verses and one Tupac verse in the second verse. This is the acoustic one with just the guitar. I love all versions of Thug's Mansion, no matter what. Every version that I listen to with Thug's Mansion, I love it. The Tupac version with Nas that's non-acoustic and the acoustic one with Nas with the two verses with Jay Phoenix on the hook. I love it. I love this song. And I think to me, it's one of the songs that when I listen to it, it makes me think about what that Tupac and Nas collaboration would have been like had he been able to live, had they had squashed their beef like they had planned to, as it's been told by many of people that was planned to have happened before Tupac passed away and was shot a couple of days after they met, after the MTV 1996 awards. And a couple of days later was when Pac went out to Vegas and he was shot in the aftermath of the Tyson fight and the fight at the casino afterwards. It makes me think about what that collaboration could have been like for years if those two would have squashed their beef and been able to sit there and politic and also collaborate and combine on some like historic rap shit. So when I listen to Thug's Mansion, I'm like happy, but then I'm also sad because that's something that I thought that a lot of us hip hop fans were cheated out of. I also love the lyrics of Mastermind. I think it's not one of Alchemist's best beats, but I love the bar work on here. I'm also a fan of the last two tracks, Dance and then Heaven. Now, Dance, produced by the late, great Chucky Thompson. I love the song. It's a Nas song and a tribute to his mother, and he talked about how he wished he had one more dance with her, sort of like the same way in the vein of Luther Vandross' Dance With My Father. And is very personal. It's something that I think a lot of people that have lost their mother and have, you know, have, they miss her so much and will definitely love this track. Some people say that the hook is cringy, but honestly, I think it's perfectly fine for a man that lost his mother and missed her very much, especially losing a mother to cancer. And to even add on to that, very nice touch on here at the end of dance, having that trumpet or cornet solo with Oludara himself, Nas's father. And this is another time Nas and Oludara collaborating on the track. Of course, you know, he also played on the outro of Life's a Bitch, also appeared with each other on Bridging the Gap on Streets Disciple. So I love the fact that he took time for his ex-wife and his mother of his children. He played that sort of like in tribute to her. And then Heaven with July Black. I mean, I love that too. I mean, produced by Agile, a great way for me, I think, to close out the album. So all those highlights I love. Now, as far as the lowlights are concerned, I was not really a big fan at all of Zone Out. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like, I think Jungle is like one of Nas's best soldiers. I think when it comes to him being able to rely on his brother, it's cool. Now, I've heard a couple of Jungle lines and stuff out there where he's, you know, he definitely puts himself out there. But Jungle and G-Wiz, who were on here as a part of the Bravehearts, I really wasn't, I wasn't feeling this track really that much. Hey Nas, which features Khalees and also Claudette Ortiz. Claudette Ortiz, who was formerly of the group City High and then became a now member, was a castmate in R&B Divas in uh, L.A. But this is a little bit too pop for my liking. I do think that, you know, hey, there are some great lines in here, especially when he's talking about what he wants in a woman. But it's a little bit too pop for my taste. I'm not really a big fan either of Warrior Song. It's just, I don't know. I just, I'm not, it's, it's a little bit more if I guess like what you're hearing on with Hey Nas. 
Uh, I'm not really a huge, huge fan of Warrior Song, though I like the content. This is another song that sort of is centered around his mother's death and the process around that. Revolutionary Warfare with Lake. I'm not really a huge fan of that either. It's not bad. By I, I, as far as what low light is concerned, like if I didn't hear this and it wasn't on the album, I wouldn't really cry. I think that it doesn't hurt the album as much as the other ones. But as far as the low lights are concerned, Hey Nas, Zone Out, Warrior Song, those are probably my biggest low lights on the album. Revolutionary Warfare, you can kind of throw that in there. Mastermind, I'm a little bit more forgiving of. But those four right there are kind of like my low lights. And so when you get into that, eh, that to me, I think, brings down the album a little bit. And because of that, it's just like, well... Mm. Did they really have to have these on here? Sort of similar to the way that I talked about Jay-Z's volume one with In My Lifetime, that if you could take a few tracks off of there, you have a much better album, an essential or probably a classic album. I think you're sort of dealing with the same pot of goods here when it comes to Godson. There's a few tracks on here that I definitely would leave out. The highs on here, though, absolutely dope, like super dope with the get downs and the made you looks and the I cans, Thugs Mansions, Book of Rhymes. Love it. Absolutely love it. Notable quotables. So I mentioned it earlier. My notable quotable actually comes from Thug's Mansion. And I love all three of the verses on here. But this first verse by Nas is the one that I, I love. And whenever I hear it, though, those first few bars really kind of strike a chord with me because they're so poignant. I'm capable of anything. My imagination can give me wings to fly like doves over the streets, watching many things. Kid walking home from school on drug blocks, missionaries, pass out papers that read love God. I see faces, cases, judges and juries, mason, lawyers and cops. I watch because every thug's face is my mirror. But this was one in particular. This kid, he was a vintage stick em up pro, 16 years old, did his jail since there's nowhere to go. Every morning, call his comrade to come and get him a smoke. He insane already gone mad, blaming himself for the setbacks. Dangerous street corners where it sets at. Sleep from dust to stone, detective acts like the maniacs chasing him his ass was flaring smoking like a chimney on remedy of course he's not caring he needs a place to go to keep his mind expanding i give him the help of hand and bring him out to thug's mansion i mean it's great verse man it's a really really great verse and i mean tupac has a great verse on this as well but the version on this where Nas has two verses and Pac has that middle verse and that Pac middle verse is just as great man when he talks about dear mama don't cry your baby boy's doing good tell the homies i'm in heaven and it ain't got hoods Seen the show with Marvin Gaye last night. It had me shook, drinking peppermint shots with Jackie Wilson and Sam Cooke. Man, I just, I really just sit and think about what the collaboration between those two dudes would have been, man. It would have been absolutely epic. Had they, Pac actually lived and had they been able to squash their beef. It would have been a really epic collaboration between the two of them, I really believe, in the future, had we been able to see it. Final verdict. So my final verdict of Godson, I really wanted to, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I probably would have said, that this is definitely essential album on the borderline of classic album. But after 20 years or so and listening to it most recently, getting ready for this review, I don't think that it's a classic album. I don't even think it's an essential album like some others in Nas's catalog. I do think though it's a dope album and that's where I think it tops out at. It's a very dope album that could have been an essential album had a few of those tracks not been on there that were a, a bit of low lights to me. But what I do have to give Nas credit for is definitely being personal on this, for lyrically providing some of his best work, for being very versatile in a lot of the tracks that he did. 
And I also got to give him credit for having to stay in power and making sure that he existed and continued to put out good work, making sure that he was relevant, staying into the rest of the part of that decade, which he would release a couple of albums after this, where if you talk to some Nas fans, they'll say aren't as highly regarded as some of his works, but like the way that Nas is, his career is sort of cyclical. He'll have these times where he's on top. People will say that he has periods where he falls off. Then he comes back and releases work. And then all of a sudden let you know he's still there. But this Nas Godson, definitely a very dope album. Uh, not necessarily classic worthy, but that's okay, though. I think having a very dope album of this caliber is not a bad thing to have. So Nas's Godson, once again, 20 years old this week. Make sure y'all go check out the version online on streaming or get yourself a copy. And let's go ahead and talk about the album. Let us know what you think about Nas's Godson. Hit us up. What do you remember from it? What are your memories? What are your, some of your favorite tracks? Some of the favorite production on here? Hit us up. Let's continue the conversation. We love to talk it through. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are visiting us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. There you can learn more about the show, check out our past episodes, join our mailing list, leave a review, or if so inclined, you can leave us a voice note. Click the blue microphone in the bottom right-hand corner to leave us a voice note to let us know what you think about the show or to just show us some love. To support the show, click the coffee cup shaded in yellow in the bottom left-hand corner to access our Buy Me A Coffee page. On Buy Me A Coffee, you can give a small monetary donation to support the show to ensure that we can keep the vault open for many years to come. You can also visit us on social media at Vault Classic Pod on IG, Twitter, and on TikTok. Also hit us on YouTube and our Facebook page. Like and follow us on social media. Subscribe to the pod and the YouTube channel. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate. Because you were never destined or created to stay stationary or ordinary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com.